Hallelujah. I want to say a very special thank you to all the men who came out yesterday for our campus cleanup day. Come on, give those men a hand. They did a great job. good time too and uh, looks good we appreciate it what we make happen for God's house guess what we make happen for our house amen you can expect I was telling my brother yesterday Warren we were over there working over there and down in building three and I was telling him you know here's the way God works here's the way God works this is what I've you can do whatever you want to do but here's what I've seen God do how he wants to operate I work hard on his house. He provides people the money for me to pay people to work on my house. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. These times, opportunities we get to come and work hard on God's house and spend my time digging and shoveling. I didn't, I didn't sit back in the corner and watch you guys. I'm the pastor. No, I jumped right in and I worked hard. Amen. Until I had to go home and get a good nap. Amen. Amen. But then God takes care of my house. Amen. It's good like that. So I appreciate you being really good. Husbands are coming. The hu husbands are coming. I heard the husbands are coming. They're in the harvest. So we got to get the harvest. You know, the Bible says, He that reaps receives wages. Some of y'all, your wage might be a husband. Praise the Lord. All right, anyway, let's get into the word of God, Acts chapter 8. Praise God. Are you in Acts chapter 8? Okay, because we've not read this whole thing in a little bit, I want to read the entire passage that I have for you today, 5 through 13. Okay, 5 through 13. Y'all have that? Okay, read it from New King James Version. If you don't have that version, it's on the screen. And if those that are at home, I want you to read it out loud too, like you're, at, like you're right here. Amen. Engage. Don't let sleep and slumber fall on you too. Spirit of, the spirit of slumber. Amen. Okay, let's start at verse 5 through 13. Ready? Read. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man named called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Miracles and signs. So Philip arrived in this city, 
where people had been astonished by the sorcery or the magic of Simon. But Philip wasn't moved by that. He wasn't impressed by that. Today I want to talk on that subject, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray that your people today have hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts to take hold of the word of God. I pray that the seed of the word that I will sow today, that you sow through me with fine, rich soil, good ground, that your people may bring forth a 30, 60, even a hundredfold return on the word of God. You said, Lord, in your word, to take heed how we hear. For with the same measure we use, it will be measured back to us. And to whoever has, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. God, we want nothing taken away from us. We want more to be given, more revelation, more insight, more wisdom into your word, and more manifestation from the word of God. So today we receive with thanksgiving the word which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I shall not be moved. Say, neighbor, I shall not be moved. Now, I've been, let me just give you a quick review here. Uh, Revelation 12, verse 9, uh, talks about something. I've been talking about how the devil is after people's minds, right? Yes. Okay, so I've been sharing with you about how the devil deceives. So in Revelation 12, verse 9, uh, John writes this. He says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called who? The devil, the devil and Satan. who does what? The whole world. He does what? How much of the world does he deceive? So Satan deceives, the devil deceives the whole world. Can we see that happening all around us? All right? So we know the world is being deceived. Now, here's the, here's the question. Can believers be deceived? Absolutely, believers can be deceived. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures on that real quick just to verify for anybody who thinks, no, we're, we got it covered. Matthew 25, Matthew 24, rather. Matthew 24, I'm moving quickly because I want to get to, to uh, where I'm going here. Hallelujah. I, fear, I know we're going to get kind of stuck in one little area a little minute. It says in verse 3 of Matthew 24, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, this is Jesus, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and, come on, of the end of the age? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Verse 4, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed, come on, that no one deceives you. That no one deceives you. So he's answering their question about the sign of his coming and the end of the age. And he said, Take heed that no one, no one deceives you. So that tells us that in the end of the age, at near his coming, there will be a lot of deception. So he says, Take heed that no one deceives you. He's talking to his disciples who follow him. We could call them believers. They're not born again yet, but they are believers of Jesus Christ. You got it? He says, so take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5 then says this, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will do what? Deceive many. So take heed no one deceives you. So he says, there will be great deception in the last days, but make sure no one deceives you. Now go down to verse 24, please. Verse 24. Verse 24. Watch what he says. For false Christ and false prophets will do what? Rise and do what? 
they're going to rise, false Christ, that word in the, in the Greek is pseudo-Christos, fake Christ, fake anointings. Are going to rise up false prophets, hallelujah, pseudo-prophetos, I think the word is, something like that. They will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. Y'all got it? To the, the whole point of the fake anointing, fake prophet of signs and wonders is to deceive. So they know, and the Bible, Jesus says, if possible, even the elect. Hallelujah. And then we know people, you know, well, no, it's not possible. It says it's not possible. He says, no, they're going to deceive even, even, even the elect. Well, no, the, the elect can't be deceived. Well, wait a minute. If you leave the door open. Can I keep going? Go please to 1 Timothy 4.1. How I know the elect can, elect can be deceived. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, the end days, some will do what? Come on, read it out loud. They will do what? Depart. Depart. I need everybody to read because some of y'all see if you don't read, you just you, you'll, you get lulled into somewhere else. Okay? So in the latter days, some will depart from the faith. Why will they depart from the, from the faith, Sister Michelle? Giving heed, come on, the very same thing Jesus said back in, back in Matthew 24, 24. So, well, the elect can't be deceived. Wait a minute. He said, now Paul comes and says, the Spirit expressly says. Paul said, this isn't me talking. This isn't my opinion. He said, the Holy Ghost said this clearly. This is Paul said, I, I didn't get an impression. This isn't like a thought. This is the word of the Lord came to me and says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Hallelujah. Giving heed to what? Remember Jesus had told them back in Matthew uh, 24 in the earlier part, right around verse 4, he said, take heed that you don't be deceived. But what happened? Instead of them taking heed, these people, instead of them taking heed to the word, they started taking heed to deceiving spirits. Whatever you give heed to, whatever you take heed to, influences or makes an impression on your mind. That's why I spent this time talking about I'm not impressed. Because the devil's trying to make an impression on the minds of the people of God to get you hooked into his system. Y'all look like y'all in the days this morning. Are y'all with me this morning? So you got to be careful that you're not deceived. Well, how would I possibly get deceived? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. That means demons teach. Not everybody with a clergy collar is a man of God. And the Bible says in these days, people would deceive and they being deceived. They would deceive many and be deceived. So there are some people who are preaching and they have been deceived, so they're teaching their deception. And they, they're adamant about it because they believe it's the truth, but they don't realize they've been deceived. Am I, am I talking to y'all here? 
So they've been deceived, and so now they're teaching what they believe is truth, but it's not the truth. They've been deceived. And so when people give heed to that, give heed to, to uh, deceiving spirits and doctors of demons, they depart from the faith. You got it? And whoa, there are so many people that are departing from the faith. Hallelujah. Not just from church. They're departing from the faith. And there are some who are departing from church and they've not de departed from faith and not departed from church. Y'all didn't catch it. There are some still coming to church and they've already departed the faith. But church is a good place to be. You get socialized and, you know, you got, the, you know, little, little, um, potlucks every once in a while and you get, you know, that's, you got your business cards you're passing out and trying to get business is a good place to be in the church. They don't, they don't get them. People networking in church. They make church their business, you know, this is, this I'm getting, get my business clientele. That ain't what church is for. That ain't what church is for. Church is for you to me to grow up in God and learn how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to walk, and how we're supposed to go and do God's business. Hallelujah. I better move on. So Satan controls through deception, right? So I gave you three ways. Y'all remember those three ways? All right, number one, possession. Number two, oppression. Number three, it's the pod. It's the peas in the pod, right? Satan controls through possession, through oppression, and depression, right? Now, I covered possession. Possession comes through open doors of the soul. That's how Satan gets in. I don't have time to go through that, but the devil is possessing people. Many people, before, before they get born again, they are possessed by the devil. And if they don't get delivered, even though they're born again, they're still possessed. I'm going to come over here. I heard one witness. I got one thank you, baby, being my witness. Nobody else said a word. People who get saved, just because you get saved doesn't mean you got delivered. Because if you get, you, 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 oh, if you were promiscuous before you got saved and then still promiscuous after you got saved, you ain't been delivered yet. But you can be delivered. Now, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the ones who you were promiscuous, you got saved, and you're still struggling. Because every one of us will have a struggle, you know, with, with, because there, there's still this wrestle in this flesh. I'm not talking about I'm talking about the one who you got saved, and then and you you still ain't really changed, even in you just uh, child. He ain't trying to be delivered. That's because you still got a devil. Strung out or whatever the case was, you're on drugs or, or you know, I'm, and I'm, listen, let me, let me tell you this. And I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not trying to send anybody to hell, to hell for smoking. I'm not talking about you going to hell for smoking. I'm talking about you should not be bought under the power of cigarettes. So if you're still smoking cigarettes and you can't control yourself, you're under the power of something. You follow what I'm saying to you? I'm not talking about you going to hell. I'm talking about you're under satanic power. And if you don't get that deliverance, you're going to always be under that satanic power. But I have good news for you. Mark 16, 17, we found out the other night, our number one, our number one thing God has called us to do, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will. 
In my name, they will. Oh my, how many believers do I have in here? That means God has given you the authority and the license to cast out demons. Oh God, so when somebody is acting a fool at your school, you ain't got to send them down to the office. Come out of here in Jesus' name. I just... Your children, there, they're cutting up. You don't even need to put them on Ritalin. Adderall and all that stuff. You don't need to do that. No, you have authority to cast out demons. Well, that's not a demon in my child. I know your child is cute, but that's a demon. That Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, my daughter is severely vexed with the devil, grievously vexed with the devil. She admitted that my child got a devil. I don't, I don't beat her. I whooped her. I took her phone. Took out of school. I did everything. No, it's a demon. Amen. All right, number two was oppression. I got to keep going. Oppression. Everybody say oppression. oppression. Okay, so oppression happens when we allow fear to become a stronghold in our minds. Oppression, remember I showed you, this is just my, my last time dealing with this. So oppression and opposition are, are not the same. So we will all face opposition, but oppression is when I get in fear about what I, what's opposing me, and then now it becomes a stronghold in my mind. Okay. All right, so people go through oppression. Oppression is that, is that heavy weight that's trying to press you down. That, okay? Isaiah 54 verse 14 says that you shall, not, uh, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, y'all know this one. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? And what? And what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Power and what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. And what? Power. And what? So oppression can't control you when you have power and love and a sound mind. Because the devil is coming after your mind. That's what the oppression is all about. The oppression is to get you. See, we, a lot of stuff we call depression. You ain't made it there yet. It's just oppression. But if you don't get oppression up off you, you will be in depression in a reckless. In a, in a minute. You're going to be there in, in depression in a minute. Amen. Open those blinds. Turn, turn them lights back on. Wash some dishes. Do your hair. Go and brush your teeth. Lotion. <laughs> get up. Get out of that house room. Bathe. Y'all ain't. I'm going to come back over here. Bathe. Well, I feel so blue, babe. <laughs> then get up and shower. Right. You know, after you bathe, you got to take a shower because you, you don't, you don't, you don't sat in all your mess. So get up and take a shower. <laughs> Amen. Put on some praise and worship. Start to dance until the Spirit of the Lord comes upon your heart. Uh, notice I didn't say wait on the Spirit of the Lord to come on your heart to dance. I said no, start to dance until the Spirit comes on your heart. Okay? Because you got to beat back this oppression. Because the next one we talked about was depression. 
depression. And we looked at Proverbs 12, 25, which says anxiety in the heart causes depression. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So we just found right here the root of depression. The root of depression is anxiety. The root of depression is when people get upset, worried, anxious about their course of life. That's how we gave you that definition. In fact, that depression happens when you become anxious about the course of your life. In other words, your current position, where you are, your current outlook, and you start to get anxious about those things, right? Or your possessions or lack of possessions. Hallelujah. So the devil, he works to get people anxious about life. I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn 40, Pastor. You don't understand. You know, I don't have this yet. Who cares? Who cares? Well, I, I thought my life, I, was, I had a whole five-year plan. Chuck your five-year plan. God says, I know the plans I have for you. See, I have plans for you. God says, I have plans for you. So chuck your little, if you didn't get your plans from God's throne, chuck your plans. Because your plans are, are designed by the devil to make you anxious. That wisdom that's from, that's, is earthly, sensual, and demonic. That wisdom that you get down here is earthly, sensual, and demonic. But the wisdom that you get from God is peaceable. First of all, pure, peaceable. So when you get a direction from God, it's going to bring you peace and never bring you anxiety. That's worth the price of admission right there. Hallelujah. So we talked about how social media and all that stuff gets people upset because everybody's on social media and you're looking at TikTok and you're looking at Twitter and you're looking at Facebook and you're looking at Pinterest and looking at all these things and what people uh, are purporting to do. This is my life. Look at my life. Look at my vacation I went on and look at my, where I, I went and ate. And now you're frustrating yourself because you got to go eat where everybody else ate and spending money that you ought not be spending trying to eat where everybody else ate because they ate there and the plate looked so good. <laughs> Getting anxious and frustrating yourself. Can y'all hear me? Frustrating yourself about somebody else's house. Hallelujah. Now, I realize Wednesday night we got caught up, and I never did give you the remedy scriptures. So can I give you the remedy scriptures for, for, the, for Pastor, this is the remedy for, for uh, depression? No, it's the remedy for anxiety. See, the anxiety, if you get the anxiety out, depression never comes. See, we can deal with the root. See, that, that's what happens when you go to the doctor and they prescribe some medicine. The medicine that, that they're going to give you is to deal with the symptoms. They never really deal with the root. They're going to deal with your symptoms. I don't want to deal with this. Depression is a symptom. Oh, I'm going to come over here. I said depression. I'm doing this half of the church. Depression is a symptom. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. So what, what they do in the, in the world is we're going to give you antidepressants to deal with your symptoms. The problem is with the antidepressants make you depressed. Yeah. 
and suicidal. Y'all ain't saying much to me today. Am I right about it? Well, what you need to do, just, you, just, you just need a good vacation, and a vacation will fix it till you get the bill, and you're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> now you, you've added to your anxiety. So, so let's fix the anxiety, and then that'll clear up all the depression. Jesus always got to the root. When he cursed the fig tree, he didn't curse the leaves. He didn't curse the branches. He cursed it to the root. Okay, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 in the easy, I'm sorry, in the um, uh, ESV, <laughs> English Standard Version. Thank you. I lost the first word, English Standard Version. Hallelujah. Look at what it says here. It says, therefore, this is Jesus talking. He says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? See what people get anxious about? Their current condition, their possessions. How am I going to make it? Well, you know rent is going sky high. Oh, nobody even knows about that. Y'all heard about that? Y'all heard of rent going up? <laughs> Gas is sure going up. Boy, for clothes, boy, you should, be able to, you should be able to get a whole outfit for, for $100, and now <laughs> you can get suit, tie, shirts, and socks, and shoes used to be for $100. <laughs> Looking good. Matter of fact, we can get all the deacons the same suit. All the ushers going to get the, all the men choir, they're going to get the same suit and same tie and same shirt and the same socks. So here's what people get anxious about, how they're going to live. And Jesus says, don't be anxious saying all that. Verse 32, for this how the world thinks. The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your Father knows you need them all. So if he knows you need them all, guess what he's going to do? He's going to provide all your needs. So he don't want you and me anxious about that kind of stuff. If you're anxious, you're not resting in the Father's love. But here's what we ought to do. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God's just going to add it. Don't be anxious when he's going to add it. I will not be anxious about how I'm going to eat, how I'm going to drink, how I'm going to be clothed. That, and that, that, when you see where it includes, encompasses the idea of housing, what I'm going to wear, your covering. It encompasses the idea of your housing. So if anybody here needs housing, God says, come to me, seek me, and I'll, I'll give you housing. Hallelujah. If you need better housing, just seek me. I'll take care of it. You don't be anxious about that. Hallelujah. When my wife and I, we didn't know how in the world we was going to have a place to stay. And God made a way. He's still making the same way today. Just, just baffled about how God just makes a way. But we couldn't get worried about it. Couldn't be anxious and go 
Now, me, I was a little anxious. I'm, I'm going to admit, I was a little anxious, and I was about to do something stupid. I was about to have us somewhere. Anyway. Because I was anxious about getting a place to stay and trying to get out of debt and trying to, trying to eat. And I'm going to say the truth. And so when, when, when God put us where we are now, uh, it, it stretched us because we couldn't afford it. And, and uh, so I was like trying to, you know, I got my budget and I'm trying to do every little thing. Okay, boom, boom. I'm trying to make sure I got money over here because when it's time to pay that rent, boy, whew, oh God. Oh. And, and the Lord said one day, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to pay this rent. That's what I'm doing. So you're going to pay the rent? No, God, you're paying the rent. So why you worry about the rent? Okay, so then I start thinking, okay, well, I'm going to pay that and eat. See, y'all, y'all don't even, if, if I told you, you probably, you choke on your gums, so I'm not going to tell you. So God said, so. Seriously, if I told y'all what it costs just to do all that, you, you choking your gums, so I'm not even going to mention it to you. So, so he said, no, you take no thought how you're going to eat. Now, 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 Elder Baker, now God takes care of the rent and the lights and the water and the, and the cable and the internet and the, and the, and the lawn care. And the, and the cars and the insurance and we pay other people's rent. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Time and time again. Time and time again. See, because we stop worrying about that and let God do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put up Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Tell your neighbor, God's got you. No, shake him a little bit. Tell him, God's got you. Stop worrying about that stuff. Stop being anxious about it. God's got you. Husbands and wives, you got to get together and say, God's got us. God's got us covered. My wife and I would get together. We preached. To, we had to preach to each other. We did. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, Philippians four six and seven. You there? Okay, it says, "Be anxious, huh? Be anxious. Nothing is no thing. Be anxious for no thing, but in everything." By prayer and with let your needs. Huh? Oh, in Matthew 6, we dealt with needs. Now he's talking about requests. Let your requests be made known to God. So this is way more than your needs, Caleb. This is now a request. And in fact, you read some translations, it'll say definite requests or specific requests. Tell your neighbor, you have to be specific with God. Get this mess out of your mind. Anyway, you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. Stop lying. Stop your little lie. 
Stop your little, your little religious, little humble, little lie. Anyway, you blessed might be satisfied. No, 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 because like I heard my kids say, if you, no, I can't say it. I'm going to swallow that down. I'm going to swallow that down. Praise the Lord. It was, it was funny. But I'll put it this way. If you got a, if you got a, a car, any way you bless the Lord, I'll be satisfied. And you get some ragged car with duct tape all over it and the windows don't go down and your air conditioner broke, you, you already know you're not satisfied. So let's not, let's not tell that lie. You got your heart set on a Honda. Don't say, well, God, if I, I'll take a Hyundai. Hyundai's are nice, but if you got your heart set on a Honda, or if you got your heart set on a Hyundai, don't take an Acura. Just if whatever, whatever, whatever. It's your request. And notice he said, and do it with thanksgiving. Why would you do it with thanksgiving? Because you know it's coming. I better back up. Why would you do it with thanksgiving? Because you know it's coming. See, if we're going to ask, we're going to ask in faith. Stop anybody here, they're faith people. You're a faith person. You're going to ask in faith. And God says, he says, oh, go back to verse 6. Go back to verse 6. Verse 6, oh, oh, praise God. He says, so be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is a, is a, a, hyper, is a, is a big word for uh, supply requests. That's really what it is. Uh, Deacon Gershom, when you were in the military, you worked supply, right? Okay, so when, when, when people came to you, you were the, a supply clerk, I think, was the MO, right? So is that, is that right, MO? Am I using that right? MOS. So the MOS, that's for all you non-military people. MOS is, is um, MOS stands for Military Occupation Specialty. See? Y'all slow, man. Y'all got to feed me, man. I'm, I'm, we're live all over the world. Okay. So his military occupational specialist was a supply clerk. So when somebody in the military, in the Marine Corps that he, he was in, that when somebody came and they needed a toothbrush, they didn't, oh, I need to go down to Walgreens, find me a toothbrush. They went to the supply clerk. Oh, man, I ripped, my, my pants got ripped, my uniform got ripped. I got a call, let me see if Amazon sell um, Marine Corps uniform. <laughs> no, what you do? You go to the supply clerk. You make your request known. And his duty was to supply whatever you needed. So Hebrews 1.14 says, The angels are not, not they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. So God has angels as his supply clerks. All we do is make our request known to God and God releases angels. He sends angels to his warehouse. God has a warehouse in heaven. Glory to God. You know, y'all don't, don't get deep. I don't mean a, a literal warehouse. I'm talking about that God has already given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So everything we need, everything we need, it's already in spiritual form. It's already in spiritual form. And when you, were, when you put in your request, it gets manifested from spiritual form to natural form. That's how the whole world was created. That's how God spoke the whole world into existence. 
The Bible says the things that, that are made were not made by things which do appear. So God made something out of nothing. So when you make a request from God, he makes something out of nothing. Or what he does, Brother Christopher, and it's all in his working. You have a need. God, I, I believe you have $500. God will put it on somebody's heart. To be a blessing to you. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't really know why I'm doing this today, Brother Chris, but you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to give you these $500. And you're saying, well, praise God. You're just being all humble. Thank you, Lord. But you're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I was believing for that. Right? Okay. Let me keep going here. Verse 7, Philippians 4, verse 7, because here's, here's the result. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you can't be depressed if God is, his peace is guarding your heart. His peace is guarding your heart. Guarding, mounting guard, a garrison, Amplified says. Putting a garrison, it's, it's, a, it's a stalwart. It's God putting, putting a whole troop around your mind. A fortress around, around your heart and your mind. So you can't be depressed. One more. Psalm 27, verse 13. Psalm 27, verse 13. Here's what David says. I would have been depressed. That's what it means, the lost heart. I would have been depressed unless I had believed that I would see, come on, the goodness of the Lord where? So I would have been depressed except, no, I remember, no, God's got me covered. My God shall supply all my needs. My God will give me the desires of my heart. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk around in Psalm 84, verse 11. Right? So we have our supplies all coming into our hands. Okay, now, let, let, me, let me try to, uh, I got to take another place here. We probably still won't get to Acts. To, to, I just, I just got a feeling. Maybe Wednesday. I got to get to it by Wednesday. Next Sunday is Rosh Hashanah. We're going to celebrate Rosh Hashanah next Sunday. Hallelujah. You've read it. you read it. Get your own revelation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm going to teach it. I'm going to teach it to you. So in um, what we've looked at with, with possession, oppression, de de depression, is that there, those are all ways that Satan influences and controls people, right? So I've talked about throughout the course of this curiosity, right? The devil gets you curious about what's going on. That's how he gets, gets little kids. They're curious. They see these things, and that's what we saw in Acts chapter 8. Um, that you're curious about something, that's how the devil deceives with all his, all his magic, all his sorcery. That's why I keep warning y'all about television. And I know, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring my conviction on you. I'm trying to get you aware of satanic traps. And people think television and movies, they're all just innocent. But listen, I need you to not look with your third eye, I need you to look with the spiritual eye. And, and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What they're, what they're trying to teach me on television is anti-Christ. Now, you can spend your money and do whatever you want. You can go all the movies you want to. It's on you. But when you try to figure out why your mind's still crazy, 
I'm telling you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You keep telling me your blood pressure high, and you keep going to eating pork sandwiches every day. And I say, hey, why don't you stop eating the pork sandwiches? Just cut back the pork sandwiches maybe once a week. Twice a month. But I like them. But I enjoy them. And I'm going I'm to I'm 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 deep fry it, and then I'm going to plunge it in some 40-weight gravy. And then I'm okay, okay. I understand you like it, but it's not good for you all the time. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you? Y'all stay with me now. So, curiosity about what the devil is presenting opens the door to his possession, oppression, or depression. Anxiety opens the door to his possession, oppression, or depression. Fear opens the door to his possession, oppression, or depression. So, we've got to close the door. Tell your neighbor, close the door. We've got to shut that door. And what happens is we have too many doors open where the enemy is getting free entry. See? 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 You're, you got you to ear gate. You have an eye gate. And you have a mouth gate. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. When the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, put up Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can y'all read it? It's on the screen. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Keep your heart. So the issues of life spring out of your heart. So your heart is where every, your heart is a factor where everything happens. So what comes into your heart determines what goes out of the heart. The Bible, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So anything you speak, anything your life, uh, anything you do in your life comes as a result of what's in your heart. Are you, not this physical beat, beat, beat. I'm talking about your spirit, man, you, the, the real you on the inside. So Jesus, so the word says here in Proverbs, keep your heart. That word keep literally means guard. Guard your heart with all diligence. I mean, how do we guard our homes? I mean, we lock the doors. Then we put a deadbolt lock on it. Then you put a chain on it. Then you put a bar behind it. Then you put a little kickstop behind it. Then you got the security system. Then you have the cameras. And then you got Cujo. Y'all know Cujo, right? That's the... And then if all else fails... You got them brothers Smith and Wesson, right? Come on in here if you want to, right? What are you doing? You're guarding, you're guarding your home. So it says guard your heart or keep your heart with all diligence. Everything, be, be more adamant and more diligent about that than you do protecting your home and your car. I mean, think about, I watch people, like if you, you're in the grocery store and you're in line, checkout line, and some person is in front of you and they're, they're uh, going put to the, put the little card in, they're going to do like this. Like, they ain't looking at you. I don't have a card and I can buy all your groceries. I don't need anything you have. God takes care of me. Get on the elevator, people, they snap, catch that purse right next to them. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing. That purse right next to him. Well, they're guarding. So the Bible says guard your heart with all diligence because out of it spring the issues of life. Okay. Thank you, Lord. So how does anything get into your heart? Through your eye gates, through your ear gates, and through your mouth gates. So what you say continues to fill your heart. What you hear allows things into your heart, and what you see allows things into your heart. Am I right about this? I know some of y'all like, Pastor, I, I learned this 10 years ago. Wonderful. That's wonderful. But we need a reminder on this here. Because we, we can get kind of lackadaisical about. See? So that's why we can't let, you know, it's, it's hard. You try to watch a football game, and between the game, they're going to bring the commercials on, and it's going to tell you nine people out of ten, they dive this certain kind of thing, and you know, ask your doctor about Remifenobil and all this kind of stuff. And he's just like, oh, my God. What are they doing? It's, it's, it's to get fear, it's to get this stuff into your heart. Just trying to watch the Bucks. Just trying to watch the Seminoles win again. Just trying, trying to see if Miami going, oh, man. Oh, Miami, Lord have mercy. And anyway, so you have to guard your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate, right? Not letting things in. Now, let me, let, me get, let me get in here. Go now to Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27, because this is why I want to I hit you with this here. And see if I can, I may get into Acts 8, depending on how much, how good y'all are. Y'all, if y'all be good, I'll get into Acts 8. Who said that? Security. Look at what Ephesians 4.27 says. Ephesians 4.27, look what it says. It says, nor give place to the devil. So do not give place to the devil, to the devil, the devil. Give no place to the devil. Now that word place comes from a Greek word topos, T-O-P-O-S. Look at what this word means. Opportunity, power, an occasion for acting, license. Who's listening today? Because I'm going to say something to you that may, may um, challenge your thinking and may make you not like me. But there are some things that happen in our lives that we're upset with God about. The Bible says in Proverbs that the foolishness of man perverts his way and his heart frets against the Lord. I, I said, said another translation. The foolishness of man ruins his life and then he's mad at God. Y'all read it every month, right? Every month in Proverbs. So we can do our own foolishness and then be mad at God for how things are going. Like it's God's fault and God said it's not my fault. 
Tell your neighbor, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Never. never. Tell, them, tell your neighbor, it's never God's fault. It's never God's fault. God is good all the time. It's never God's fault. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. I'm skating on thin ice right now, I know. Well, God, God, God took my, took my, my little, my little boy. It wasn't God. See, that's why I, I, I just, I get annoyed at these funerals. And people will spend an hour and a half bashing God. Well, God decided and God knew and God, wait, 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 God. The only two places in scripture where you see God took someone was Enoch and Elijah. And they didn't die. He just took him. You think you had it? He just he just took him. There was no funeral. They ain't find no body line or no. He just. So God doesn't do that. But if y'all, some of y'all mad. But if but if when. Things like this happen in our lives. Well, God's taking me through a storm. You never see where God took anybody through a storm. God will bring you through the storm. He will not take you through a storm. Take implies it's his intent. Bring implies it's his delivery. Well, no, God's taking me through a trial. Based on what scripture? See, I don't, I don't care what your uncle preached. I'm talking about based on what scripture. So we don't live by what our grandma used to say, grandma and them. We live by what the word says. Trials going to make you strong. Prove it in the scripture. Show me, show me the scripture of trials going to make you strong. Trials come to kill you. Trials from, are from the enemy to try you. Thinking not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you. I have four beautiful children. I would never put my children through a hardship to teach them a lesson. I laughed yesterday because we were out there working, and Joe, Joe out there working hard, man. He's he's cutting and he's got you know just he's you know kind of the he's a contractor in the room. So he's he's he had left his cell phone laying on on a beam. And uh, he, he started panicking because he couldn't find his phone. And so, we, you know, because we're digging dirt and we're pouring mulch and moving stuff. So he's like, oh, Lord, where's my phone? So I said, I said, hey, let me call it. I'll call your phone. And he said, yeah, but if it's under a pile of dirt somewhere, we ain't going to hear it. And we're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> we don't, so we don't know where his phone is. All of a sudden, here comes Elder Jack around the corner. <laughs> Ella Jeff's got the phone in his back pocket, hidden away. He's letting Joe sweat. Just Joe just sweat. And it's, it's in his back pocket. Till he finally, that, that's how your friends do you. 
And I thought, all I remember was, my dad used to do that to me sometimes. He'll, if I, you lose something, he'll, he'll take it. I can't find my, I can't. Now, so my dad would do things like that. My mom, they would do things like that. Well, we'll hide it to you. We're going to teach you about not, not laying it down. Now, they, di they didn't destroy it. They just held it and say, okay, here it is, son. We just want, want you to understand responsibility. So God will not put a trial on you to teach you a lesson. That's not the, that's not the goodness of God. But he will bring you out. So how do, I find, how do I get in a pickle? How do I get in a situation that's overwhelming to me? Okay, let me give you one more scripture. Because some of y'all looking at me like, I passed away, that ain't how I was raised. Put up um, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Put that on the screen. This is, I'm just I'm going to flow this off my notes. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I just want to make sure I bust them all of these religious devils. Get them out of here. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about religious devils that's trying to, these doctors of demons. Doctors of demons that's, that's been teaching us just the well, just, you know, just wait, praise the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Y'all got it? Can you read? I'm sure you can. Let's read it. Ready? Go. No temptation except but who will but that so people sing, preach, and say God will not put more on you than you can bear. But the scripture never said that. It said he will not allow. It didn't say put. Put and allow are two different words. Put implies active. Allow implies passive. So God is not putting heavy weight on you, putting trials on you, putting temptation on you to see how strong you are. That's not what God does. But it says, but when they do come, guess what? He, he makes sure he, that... Remember when the devil came to God about Job? And, and the devil's proposal was, take a hand, I'm gonna take his, I can take his life. And God said, okay... I'm going, I'll let you touch everything, but don't touch his life. In other words, God put a limit on what the devil could do. Well, wait a minute. Well, why would God even let the devil do that? Because the devil, because Job gave the devil license. I'm still preaching Ephesians 427. I'm still preaching give no place to the devil. I'm still preaching give no license. I'm still preaching give no opportunity to the devil. This is taking a shift here, Elder Baker, so I got to just stay with it. I'm still preaching about not giving the devil opportunity, occasion, a place, or a license in your life. And, the, and Job, through his fear, opened up an opportunity, gave the devil a license to bother him. That's why when the devil came before God, God said, have you considered my servant Job? God wasn't, was not suggesting Job. Come on, sir. 
God wasn't putting Job up like, yeah, just try Job. God knew that the devil had been to Job's house. How do we know the devil had been to Job's house? Because, because the devil says, yeah, but you've blessed him. you got a hedge around him. The devil already knew about Job. The devil began to go down Job's resume. The devil did. And what had happened was that Job, Job 325, Job had made this statement, the thing I fear the most has come upon me. So Job had gotten over into fear, and that fear in Job 325 opened the door, gave the devil a license now to come and bother his life. Job ended up oppressed. He ended up depressed. Didn't he? Job was just like sitting in ashes. I mean, his wife starts talking foolish. All his children are gone, everything. He's like, what is his life? He tried to hold on. You know, all of my appointments, I'm going to wait until my change come. But then he started getting over because his, his friends start coming, talking, talking foolishness to him. And he started talking the same foolish right along with him. And God finally said, okay, stop. All y'all shut up. Let me talk. All y'all shut up, let me talk. And that's what we got to do sometimes is we shut up, make our friends shut up, and just let God talk. Y'all ain't like that. Sometimes I got to shut up, make everybody that's around me shut up, and just let God talk. I need to hear him. I need to hear his voice. I need to hear his answer. I need to hear his wisdom if I'm ever going to get out of this because he's going to make a way of escape so I'll be able to bear it. Y'all got this here? Yes, sir. So it says, oh man, I, okay. So Ephesians 4.27, give no place. So I got to shut the open doors. Well, I'm not dealing with any kind of psychological, no mental issue, but I got financial problems. There's still a door. There's still a door you're opening to the enemy. There's some way he's getting it because the devil has, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You feel like you're losing. He's stealing from you. I said he's stealing from you. That's your inheritance. Psalm 84, verse 11, God says, the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Are you walking uprightly? Well, yeah, Pastor, walking uprightly. Well, then if you don't have something, the devil's stealing it from you. First of all, are you walking uprightly? See, let's, let's make sure we got that down. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves thinking we're walking uprightly and we're not really walking uprightly. Y'all quiet right there in this Baptist church. Let's not, let's not pretend, let's not deceive ourselves and say we're walking uprightly we're not actually walking uprightly. Upright in just when you come into this building. Hello, somebody. No, holiness is a lifestyle. I better come over here because y'all got it. I don't think they got it. Holiness is a lifestyle. It's how you live seven days a week. 24 hours a day, whether the pastor's around or not. Tell your neighbor, holiness is still right. See, I've got to walk uprightly with God. 
My heart is right. The Bible even says, oh, is it? Oh, let me see if I got it. First Chronicles uh, 16.9. Is it First Chronicles 16.9? Put it on the screen. First Chronicles 16.9. Lord, have mercy. First Chronicles, nope. Second Chronicles 16.9. Second Chronicles 16.9. Glory to God. I knew it was one of them Chronicles. It's the second one. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So when your heart is loyal to God, when you're walking uprightly, he's going to show himself strong on your behalf. He's not going to withhold any good thing. He's not going to let anything um, uh, destroy your life. But if you are faking it and not really walking uprightly, you are giving the devil a license. Hello, children of God. I got to make sure I'm not giving him license to, to, to work in my body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, this just is all, we all go through sickness. I'm not talking about this natural stuff. There's a difference between you being sick and a spirit of infirmity. There's a whole big difference between you getting sick and a spirit of infirmity. See, that woman, woman with a spirit of infirmity, she had that for what, 18 years? 18 years? That woman with issue of blood, 12 years? That's too long with it to have any condition. I said, that's too long to have any, y'all ain't saying nothing. That's too long to have any condition. That's too long to have any condition. If you have any condition, you got it five years and 10 years and 12 years, that's too long. You dealing with a spirit. Oh, Jesus. I'm not going to finish any stuff. I'm talking about we, you and I, you and I, you and I, you and I are, are walking around with divine life. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 2 that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So if I'm free from the law of sin and death and I have the spirit of life on the inside of me, then sickness and disease have no right to perpetuate themselves in my life. If they do, I have opened some door to the spirit of infirmity. Now, I'm not picking on you about that. I want you to be aware because if you're not aware, then you'll think, well, this is normal. It's normal. This is what we deal with. And you know, when, I, when you turn 40, you deal with this. And when you turn 60, you deal with this. And this is just natural because I turned 50, you know, you know, and all these kinds of things happen. No, that's not, that's not normal. We are in this world. Help me out. I said we are in this world. Come on. But we're not of this world. So you and I have to cut off the license of the enemy in our lives. Give no place to the devil. Now I know all your religious folk. They don't. No, I don't. I don't agree with that, Pastor. He's a, he's a kook. He's saying this stuff. He don't know people just die and people just get sick. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you were a Christian. I thought the Bible calls Jesus Christ the Prince of Life. If he's the Prince of Life and the Prince of Life lives in you then how can death, which is the enemy, have any access, real access to your life? 
got way off this whole depression thing. Oh, well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me show you something. I'm going to give you an intro to Acts 8, and then we'll quit. Here's the intro to Acts 8. What's going on? I have 26 seconds. I want you to see the scenario. I'm, going, I'm just going to let you see the scenario. In Acts 8, verse 5, now what had happened to the disciples, they had all been stuck in Jerusalem. Right? Yes, sir. Jesus had told them, he said, I want you to go you therefore and teach all nations. He said, baptize them and so forth. He said, when you receive power, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you should be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the most parts of the earth. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Remember that? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Y'all remember that? What happened? They were stuck in Jerusalem. They weren't supposed to be stuck in Jerusalem. God had told them to go to Judea and Samaria, the most parts of the earth. So persecution came on the church, and it got them out of their comfort zone. And the Bible says everybody left except the apostles. The apostles still stayed there in Jerusalem. But watch here, here in verse uh, 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached what? Christ preached Christ to them. Verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, I want you to see something here. Because the Holy Spirit is very specific. You know, the Bible comes from the Holy Ghost. Right? King James didn't write the Bible. The Bible comes from the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. So what we're reading is the Holy Ghost's account of what happens. And he's very specific in pointing some things out to us. I want you to see what I've been preaching to you for the last two weeks. Verse 6, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7, for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many were paralyzed and lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So for the Holy Ghost to point these things out, it tells us what the condition was. We see first the condition was many were possessed. Then it says many who were paralyzed and lame. Paralyzed and lame isn't like I hurt my leg. It's you are stuck in that condition. It's called oppression. I preached years ago a series called Loose from the Spirit of, uh, Spirit of Loose from, Loose from Oppression, I think it was called. Loose from, from Oppressive Spirits. And I dealt with that spirit of infirmity. Thank you. Tamara's our, our church historian. She knows what I preach. Loose from Oppressive Spirits. And so paralysis and lameness were conditions of oppression. And then the Holy Ghost Brother Nathaniel points this out. And there was great joy in the city. For the Bible to say, for the Holy Ghost to say, now there was great joy in that city, it meant 
that prior to this, it was depressing. So we saw this city that was filled with possession, oppression, and depression. Everything I've been preaching to you for the last two weeks, right here. And the Holy Ghost is very careful about pointing these things out to us. It could have just said he healed all the people, you know, and everybody's happy. But he pointed out to us there was great joy in the city. Now let me say something to you, and then I'll quit. I'll quit because I'm already over time. You remember in John chapter 4, Jesus was headed down the road there on a ministry trek. And the Bible says, he said, I must needs go through. Samaria. I must needs go through. Samaria. Samaria. And he went to Samaria and ended up, ended up in a city called Sychar. Sychar. In that city of Sychar, the Bible says there was a well there. And this well was Jacob's well. And at this well, remember, he met this woman. And this woman came there to draw water out of that well. Right? And he began to interact with her. He broke all religious protocol. Broke all the protocol. Asked her for a drink of water. And she said, you know, you're a Jew. Ask me for some Samaritan. Ask me to do that. And he said, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for something to drink. And he goes to this whole thing about, you know, she said, you know, our fathers worship at, you know, worship here and so forth. He says, uh, you, you know, Jews worship here and so forth. And they went on, on to say that, you know, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth and everything. And he goes on and says, hey, where's your husband? She says, I don't have a husband. He said, you spoke right on that time. He said, you've had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. And she said, oh, Lord, I perceive you a prophet. You read my mail. You know my business. And the Bible says she left her water pot, ran back to town, and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says that those people came, and Jesus said to, to the disciples, the disciple, while she's gone, the disciples come back. Y'all remember the story? The disciples come back, and... And uh, they went to go get food and everything, and, and Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. And they're like, well, who, who brought them food? And uh, he said, look out there. And he says, the field is already white for harvest. Yes. He says, do not say there yet four months of the harvest. The field is already white for harvest. He's looking. He sees this crowd of people coming from, from the city. Timmy says, that's the harvest. And the Bible says when the people came, they heard him speaking. And the Bible says the people said to the woman, at first we believe because of your word. They said, but now we believe because of his word. We got our own word from him directly. So Samaria, even the city of Sikar, Sikar, they spread this word through the region. All of a sudden, this, this Samaria has been transformed by an encounter with Jesus. Yet by the time we arrive at Acts chapter 8. By the time we had arrived at Acts chapter 8. 
this city, this region is covered with possession, oppression, and depression. So don't tell me folk can't be in church their whole lives and not be bound by oppression, not be bound by depression. These people have met Jesus. They met Jesus himself. And yet, less than three years later, theologians say this was written, Acts 8 happened right about 31 A.D. Well, Jesus ascended in 30 A.D. He started his ministry in 27 A.D. So this is at the max four years, depending on when he went to Samaria, at the max four years. In that short amount of time, Elder Warren, all that encounter, all that believing, but remember now, Samaria did not get filled with the Holy Ghost. They met him, they believed, but they had not been filled with the Holy Ghost. So within four years, all of a sudden, now the whole region, possession, oppression, and depression. Now you come back Wednesday night, I'm going to show you why and how you avoid all that. But let me, let me cut to the chase real quick on this part here. This is why, Pauline, this time, after the Samaritans believed, the Bible says the apostles back in Jerusalem heard about it. And they sent Peter and John and said, go down there. Go down there. Because we don't want Samaria to go backwards again. They said, go down there and lay hands on them so that they can receive the Holy Ghost. So we can close that door. Because Jesus had taught them that if a demon goes out of a man and he goes about around in arid places, but he goes and he finds that that house is clean and swept and had not been replaced or filled with anything, the demon says, I'm going to go back to my home. He said, to my home. And the Bible says he brings back seven other spirits worse than him. And the state of that man is now worse than it was before. So the disciples said, this time, we're going to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. We can close that door. Stand to your feet. Now, I know we didn't finish with a bang, hooping and hollering and running. But I got stuck on this area here about giving no place to the devil. I telling my wife I'm, you know, going through my Bible school lessons, and um, we hit these lessons from Romans about conviction and conscience and consideration and so forth. But, but it really talked about how, you know, Paul dealt with two different groups of people in the Roman, with the Roman Christians. Either people were classified liberal or legalistic. And the church is kind of, we've gotten divided like that today. And, you know, whether you're liberal or whether you're, I'm not, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even talking about politics. I'm talking about 
talking about in our beliefs. Liberal Christianity or legalistic Christianity. Of course, neither is right. But what Paul talked about was, I share my, with my wife, is, is there are convictions that each of us should have that we can't thrust our convictions on other people. There's a, there are things that we have in our conscience for conscience sake that I may be able to do and you may not be able to do or I may not be able to do and you can do it. But as your pastor, as the shepherd God has established in this house, it's my duty to guard the sheep. So when I say things to you, you may think that, well, that pastor, that's just your opinion. And I'm not going to argue with that. Except to say, it's not my opinion, it's my conviction. And the Bible says, I'm supposed to follow my convictions. But the Bible says, whose faith follow, knowing the outcome of their conduct over the book of Hebrews. Whose faith follow, knowing the outcome of their conduct. So, you may not follow my actions, but you did follow my convictions. Now, I'm not going to speak anything to you that I can't back up with Scripture. I don't have that right. I don't have that freedom. But if I can back it with scripture, I'm going to speak it over and over and over and over again. You see, growing up, growing up, I grew up on 25th Street between Lakeview and Tangerine. Some of y'all have no clue what Lakeview and Tangerine. That's 18th Avenue and 22nd. Lakeview is 22nd Avenue. Tangerine is 18th Avenue South. So I grew up right in the middle of the block. And there were a lot of kids on our block. And there were some kids, some families, that my little brother and I, now my, my brother Warren, he's in the older group with my, my siblings. But my little brother and I, there were some families, some households, we could not play with their kids. We could play with kids. There was nothing sinful about us playing, but there were some kids we could not play with. Now, other kids on the street could play with those kids. But we could not. Because there were convictions that my parents had about how to live. And their job was to protect me, protect my brother, my siblings. So, nothing simple about playing, but who you play with is dangerous. Is this becoming more clear to you? So when I speak as your pastor, man of God, spiritual dad, whatever you want to call it, when I speak, I'm trying to warn you about who to play with so you don't get in trouble so you don't you don't begin to take on their character
Josh, right to code, all those kids that we weren't allowed to play with, they're either dead today, or they're in prison, or they're on the street, strung out, or their lives have amounted to nothing. about what I say and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't, don't. Just, just take it with love. You take it with love. I genuinely, my wife and I genuinely love every single person in this room. Genuinely. Enough to lay our lives down. And for you. For Christ and for you. I'm saying it because I really, this wasn't a goal of my message today. My message, my goal was to get into Acts 8 and tell you all this stuff. But that Ephesians 4 27, we hit that, that, and I just got stuck there. Give no place to the devil. I, th I think, in fact, it goes, uh, give me verse 26 on that. Says something. This is one of the places we, we give place to. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Then he says, don't give place to the devil. So, so one of the ways you give place to the devil is being angry and get, letting anger take you into sin. When you get into sin, there's no, no issue with being angry. The problem is angry. The problem is when I let that anger take me somewhere. happens. Our wives get angry, don't we? Don't let that take you somewhere. You get angry with your children. You don't get angry at folk. You see, let me tell you something. Let me tell you this then, then I'm going to pray. This is what the devil has released on America is this rage spirit, this angry spirit that's got, he, want, he wants all the black folk to be angry at all the white folk. And he wants the white folk to be angry at all the brown folk. And the brown folk to be angry at all the yellow folk. That's the spirit of division the devil's bringing. You hear me say this, and I'm not trying to be political, but that's what critical race theory is all about. It's not, it's not to help us, it's to divide us. to make people angry and to lead you into sin so people get deceived and what people are doing is by critical race theory and all other things because trust me let me tell you something I'm going to teach on this one day it's not just critical race theory it's critical theory there's all kind of critical theories that are out there, there there's, there's one they got one now critical fat theory it's the same principle is that people who are fat feel like they are disenfranchised because the people who are skinny have all the advantage in life. This, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding at all. Critical, critical wealth theory. So we got to take from the rich. It's, it's, all, it's all a demonic scheme, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's for, to give place to the devil. To make us angry and divided. And when we're angry and divided, well, that anger didn't just divide us, it opened us up 
to demonic influence and attack. It's just interesting, the devil would unleash coronavirus at the same time he's releasing all this division. Savior, and make it the Lord of their lives. We come against every demonic 